Their culture ended up producing more evil, and then that produced more evil, and evil begot evil. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. Thank you for joining us as we read the Word of God, the most important book of all, the most published book of all. And as we go through the Bible, we'll be teaching on Judges chapter 21 in just a few moments. So stay there for that. Corey and Ryan are here as well. Corey? I am going to be talking about idols from our reading today. Ryan? Well, on yesterday's program, I talked about Samson. So today I'm going to be talking about Delilah. All right. Very good. Uh, and I look forward to that one too. And they're coming up in about 20 minutes time. Janice is coming up in about 25 minutes. Janice? One thing after another. All right. Very good. So open up your Bible guide and let's find out where we're at, Judges 21, and let's look at the Bible and listen to it as Corey reads or Janice reads, and let's hear what God is saying to us. Judges 21, 1 through 14. Now the men of Israel had sworn an oath at Mizpah, saying, None of us shall give his daughter to Benjamin as a wife. Then the people came to the house of God and remained there before God till evening. They lifted up their voices and wept bitterly and said, O Lord God of Israel, why has this come to pass in Israel that today there should be one tribe missing in Israel? So it was on the next morning that the people rose early and built an altar there and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. The children of Israel said, Who is there among all the tribes of Israel who did not come up with the assembly to the Lord? For they had made a great oath concerning anyone who had not come up to the Lord at Mizpah, saying, He shall surely be put to death. And the children of Israel grieved for Benjamin their brother, and said, One tribe is cut off from Israel today. What shall we do for wives for those who remain, seeing we have sworn by the Lord that we will not give them our daughters as wives? And they said, what one is there from the tribes of Israel who did not come up to Mizpah to the Lord? And in fact, no one had come to the camp from Jabesh-Gilead to the assembly. For when the people were counted indeed, not one of the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead was there. So the congregation sent out there twelve thousand of their most valiant men and commanded them, saying, Go and strike the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead with the edge of the sword, including the women and children. And this is the thing that you shall do. You shall utterly destroy every male and every woman who has known a man intimately. So they found among the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead four hundred young virgins who had not known a man intimately, and they brought them to the camp at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan. Then the whole congregation sent word to the children of Benjamin, who were at the rock of Ramon, and announced peace to them. So Benjamin came back at that time, and they gave them the women whom they had saved alive of the women of Jabesh-Gilead, and yet they had not found enough for them. 
Judges chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. Judges chapter 18, chapter 19, chapter 20, and 21. That's what we read as we go through the Bible. And this is important in our trek through the Word of God, 66 books written by 40 authors over 1,500 years. It's through the Bible. You know, Judges 21 is interesting. Now, the people living in the promised land created a major mess for themselves and made it worse when they attempted to fix it on their own. They had not kept the ways of God. In fact, we see many examples in the book of Judges of them doing exactly what the words of God told them not to do. So by the time we get to Judges 21, we're at the pinnacle of the major problem. Their culture has produced great evil. Their solutions to that evil also create more evil. We are clearly shown here what can happen when we abandon God and we choose to live according to our own impulses. If only the Israelites had kept up the practice of Moses, which was going to God for every trouble and every issue. Though we live in a different world today and age, Judges 21 makes me reflect on how human thinking is often flawed. Our flawed ways are not always obvious or in our face. They can be small and subtle. And this is how sin so easily infects our lives. It can seem like a good idea at the time. This is why we need to keep the lines of uh, communication open with God. So we need to read his word, thinking on it and praying on it in our lives. When we do fall, the amazing truth of Christ is always present. We can come to God we can repent and receive forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. Absolutely true. Take your Bible guide, turn to today's passage as we focus on Judges 21. This is interesting. You know, Judges has been fascinating going through it this year, hasn't it? And uh, if you don't have a Bible guide, you can call us or write for one, or you can go to Bible Discovery TV and click on it. It'll take you to a donate page. Thank you for your donations. They really help us. And they're the only reason that we are here every day is because your donations. So thank you for doing that. And uh, also you'll download it exactly like it's printed. So it's great. Anyway, uh, I want to pray about this because their own solution seems obvious. That's a good idea, our own solution. But, but hold on a minute. Is that a good idea? Is that a good idea? I want to challenge that thinking. Father, help us today. As we look at the word of God, and I look at leaders who are watching, I look at other people who are watching, help us to begin to think as you think. Help us to begin to make our decision carefully. Thank you, Lord. We praise your name and we ask for your help in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen. Judges 21 is interesting. Let's delve in. Let's learn from it and understand. It says this. Now the men of Israel had sworn an oath at Mizpah, saying, None of us shall give his daughter to Benjamin as a wife. The reason they did that was because of very devastating sin. And we're reading the back half of it. Verse 2. Then the people came to the house of God and remained there before God till evening. 
They lifted up their voices and wept bitterly and said, O Lord God of Israel, why has this come to pass in Israel? That today there should be one tribe missing in Israel. So it was on the next morning that the people rose early and built an altar there and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Now, Attempting to make it right with God their own way, Israel made a mess. Attempting to make it right with God their own way, Israel made a mess, as we do today. Coming to God in repentance is the only way to make our life right with him. Coming to God, not with a deal, I'll give you this, if you give me that, I'll do this, if you do that. That's not how you come to God. You come to God and you say, you're Lord. You created me, you created everything, and I'm a sinner. And I, I, I'm devastated. I am destined for a bad situation. So I need your help, God. Come into my life and make it new. That's repentance when you really do that. Doesn't mean we become perfect, means we begin a journey. We shift our thinking and our thinking changes. 21 verse five, the children of Israel said, who is there among all of the tribes of Israel who did not come up with the assembly to the Lord? For they had made a great oath concerning anyone who had not come up to the Lord at Mizpah, saying, he shall surely be put to death. And the children of Israel grieved for Benjamin, their brother, and said, one tribe is cut off from Israel today. What shall we do for wives for those who remain? Seeing that we have sworn by the Lord that we will not give them our daughters as wives. I don't know why they did that, but that's what they did. Verse eight, and they said, what one is there from the tribe of Israel who did not come up to Mizpah to the Lord? And in fact, no one had come up to the camp from Jabesh Gilead to the assembly. For when the people were counted, indeed, not one of the inhabitants from Jabesh Gilead was there. Fascinating. Israel did not follow God according to his word, but looked to their own. Nobody's prayed to God. Nobody's asked God. The only way to follow God is to read and obey his word. The word of God. It's right here in the iPad. In your phone, you can get it. It's easy to get. Read the word of God. Now, this gets better. Last four verses, 21. So the congregation sent out their 12,000 of the, the most valiant men to com and commanded them saying, go and strike the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead with the edge of the sword, including the women and the children. And this is the thing that you shall do. You shall utterly destroy every male and every woman who has known a man intimately. So they found among the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead 400 young virgins who had not known a man intimately. And they brought them into the camp at Shiloh, which is the Lord's camp or the camp of Canaan. And then the whole congregation sent word to the children of Benjamin who were at the rock of Rimead and announced peace to them. So Benjamin came back at that time and they gave them the women whom they had saved alive of the women of Jabesh Gilead, and they had not found enough for them. This, this just, I mean, Israel compounds the mess. 
<laughs> attempting to fix the problem themselves. The only way to fix our problems is to surrender to the Lord completely. Surrender to the Lord completely. Here in Judges, we see that Israel keeps making ways to go to the Lord and deals with the Lord. No, 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 no. We need, there's so many messed up things in Judges. We just need to come back to God and say, Lord, I need your help. Help me today in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to do. Father, I pray today that we would come to you and give you our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. And let you take over because we can't do it. In Jesus' name, amen. This character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us when we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And today we finish the book of Judges. And before we move on to Ruth, I really want to talk about Delilah. And you know, this is sort of a continuation from yesterday's segment that I did on Samson. And you know, it's interesting that out of the three women romantically involved with Samson, only one of them is named, Delilah. And the fact that she is named is a clue. She was important to the narrative. As a matter of fact, it would be through her that Samson would finally meet his demise. Though God still managed to overcome the Philistines through him, even though it was at the cost of Samson's own life. But who was this mysterious woman named Delilah? Of the three known women romantically involved with Samson, only one is named, Delilah. This is an important detail because the naming of characters serves to emphasize their roles in a narrative. Indeed, though Samson had been on the Philistines' most wanted list for 20 years now, Delilah would be the one to bring him down. The deal had been made. For a great sum of silver, she would betray Samson and hand him over to the Philistines. Though Samson initially protected the secret to his strength from her, through great persistence she was able to get a confession. Upon disclosure, she lulls him off to sleep, shaves his head, and strips him of his power. Once paid, Delilah runs off the pages of history, never to be heard from again. Truly, her name was a significant detail in the narrative. But equally significant is that besides her name, not much is revealed about who she was. By design, her characterization is ambiguous, keeping her a foil for Samson's downfall, shifting the responsibility for his defeat onto his own shoulders. Still, who was this woman? Although her nationality is unknown, many scholars believe she was a Philistine since she lived in the Philistine Valley of Sorek and because she cooperated with them to capture Samson. On the other hand, some believe she was the mother of Micah the Danite, whose account is found in Judges chapter 17, which would make her a Hebrew. The meaning of her name is also uncertain, though it does sound like the Hebrew word for night, Layla. Since Samson's name is connected with the sun, some see her name as a foreshadowing, a hint that Samson's lights were about to go out. It's also possible that her name is derived from the Ethiopic word for dangling curls. If this is the case, her name would be particularly ironic. The hero whose hair holds his strength 
is no match for the woman with locks of hair. So notice that beyond Delilah's name, the Bible doesn't really reveal much else. Why? Well, as I mentioned in the segment, I believe that the Bible, by not really revealing who this woman was, is showing who the real person to blame here is, and that is Samson. Samson constantly allowed himself to be overcome by his weaknesses, which in this case was women, and this time it cost him. Of course, Delilah wasn't innocent either, but the fault lies with Samson. You know, it really is a tragic story, and if Samson had been committed to God instead of himself, maybe he wouldn't have only begun to deliver his people from the Philistines. Maybe he would have completely delivered them, but we'll never know. Yeah, we, we won't. And, you know, it's just fascinating to me because he always begins by seeing a problem and then he gets tempted and he caves in. Hmm. And this is one tragedy after another with him. And this Delilah thing is a good example of that. Yeah, for sure. And she takes him down. And the only way that he can solve this problem, he prays after his hair is cut off and the whole business. And he says, Lord, give me one more chance to take the Philistines down. Hmm. Doesn't have, he can't see, doesn't pray, heal my eyes or heal my hair or anything like that. He just, just as I go down, Give me the strength to knock these pillars down and wipe out these Philistines. Yeah, and God allowed it. God allowed it. But what would he have done if God, if he prayed and God would have given him a miracle? Yeah, it could have been a very different ending. You know, it's just really yeah, fascinating. Tragic. Yeah. How this, like our lives too. Hmm? Well, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah, exactly. This is a really good, you know, question and a good thing to uh, consider. Okay, Corey, go ahead. All right. Well, I'm talking about a different kind of tragedy because in Judges chapter 18, we see the tribe of Dan um, latching onto the idol and the household idols um, that were created by Micah. Uh, so we see in Judges 18 verse 18, it says, when the five men went into Micah's house and took the idol the ephod and the household idols, uh, the priest said to them, what are you doing? So we're going to focus in on identifying what the idol would have been, because there's two different kinds of idols here. There's the idol and then there's the household idols or the household gods. So take a look at this segment. The Bible is very clear on its position on using idols in worship. The early history of Genesis shows the practice as unacceptable to God, which is then outright stated in the books of the law. Despite this, the practice continued in the kingdoms of Israel and Judah, being spoken against strongly by the prophets of God, and included in the moral evaluation of a king's reign was whether or not he tried to rid the land of idolatry. Today, many idols from the biblical time period have been found, and even in some cases, documents outlining their construction and installation ceremonies. Idols could be made of wood or stone overlaid in sheets of hammered gold and silver, or they could be cast of metal. Whatever material was used, it was seen as sacred or sacredly sourced. In Babylon, the wood was believed to touch all aspects of the world, heaven through its branches, earth through its trunk, and the underworld through its roots. Idols were even crafted on sacred ground in a temple precinct. Idol creation was taken very seriously as people believed the idol represented the deity being worshipped. Not that the idol was always thought to capture the god's exact likeness, but it represented certain aspects of their nature. The deity was then admonished through a ceremony to come possess or indwell the statue so that man could show his utmost dedication. In Babylon, this ceremony, called the washing of the mouth, took two days, involved sacrifices, chants, and craftsmen renouncing any responsibility in creating the idol. 
Idols were clothed in the most costly garments, often dyed blue and purple, sometimes with gold woven through and used as buttons and decoration. Golden jewelry and earrings were also given to and worn by idols. The best portions of food and wine were daily laid before temple idols, after which, at least in Babylon, the sacred food was given to the king to consume. The principle of giving the best of the land to the deities so that they would favor the king and people. With any sort of shame or physical deterioration, it was believed that a god would remove its presence from an idol, so there were many rules and regulations revolving around their care, a practice mocked by both Isaiah and Jeremiah for its futility. So there we go. So they were taking uh, like an official large idol statue and then other gods as well. And, you know, we get to the end of chapter 18, we, we, it's revealed to us just how bad this apostasy actually is. It's not, it's not just that a Levite was doing it. It's not just that a whole tribe now has an alternate religious religion other than Israel, but it's also who the Levite priest ends up being. According to verse 30 of Judges chapter 18, this priest was Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Moses. And all of his sons were priests for the tribe of Dan until the time of the captivity of the land. So this uh, false religion lasted for a long time and it was mitigated by the descendants of Moses himself. So how the mighty had fallen by this time in the book of Judges. It really is a commentary on the degradation of leadership through the generations. Just how sin, you know, unbridled sin eroded everything destroys everything. Mm -hmm. And so we need to pay attention to that because God has no grandchildren and every generation has to discover God Mm -hmm. and uh, make covenants with him. And all of that's very, very interesting. What a great piece. Thank you, Corey. Jen. And that's true right down to the personal level, isn't it? Yeah. When we make that commitment, because we can throw up our hands and say, well, you know what? It's too late. Mm -hmm. I can't change. It's too late. And that is even passed on to the next generation. Mm -hmm. I know that our grandchildren are watching us, uh, what we do and what we say and how we act. It doesn't just end, it it continues on. And and this this account here in Judges 21, um, where the tribes of Israel, we can see here how they've really veered from God and what he had demanded of them, how to, how to live and how to teach their children and, and how to, 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 to know and respond to, to, to God's commands for their own good, for their own lives. But they just got into themselves. They got into their own solutions and it just made it worse. Have you ever gotten yourself into that position? I know I have. A couple of times I remember as a little girl, when you start to tell a lie and then that lie has to grow and grow and grow. And then the trouble is you have to remember how that lie went and to who you told. And it just gets so complicated. And as I read this, I I just, I get a headache just seeing the mess that they had and that just kept compounding because they were trying to fix a solution that they had tried to fix before instead of bringing it to God. This is a big problem. So if we say that we're a Christian, that means that we've committed our lives to follow God. That can't mean that we decide what God says is right and what is wrong because sometimes what I think is right really isn't. And that's a part of reading through the Bible and going, oh, wow, right, God, you have said this. 
I, I'm sorry, God. I, I ask your forgiveness. Can you help me to overcome this in my life? Because I don't want that in there anymore. It's, it's not right. Even though I've done it for 50 years, 60 years, I need to change that. Or even if that's how I was taught, I, I recognize now that I shouldn't be living that way. I need to live according to your word. So we need to, to change that. That's what it means to be a follower of God. If we don't live that way, if we have committed ourselves to God, but we decide to do what we want to do based on what we want to do, then we're not recognizing God as our king. We are not recognizing God as the Lord of our life. We need to commit our lives. And when we commit to follow God, that brings a change through him on how we think and how we react. So no longer do we do what we want to do all the time. It's a battle within ourselves that the Lord Jesus helps us to overcome if we truly ask him to do that. Proverbs 3, 5 to 7. You know, praise God, we don't have to figure it out on our own. They didn't have to figure it out on their own. They had made vows that they didn't, they shouldn't have made. And then they furthered it by just trying to fix it. Listen to what Proverbs 3 says, 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, follower of Christ, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Listen, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Why should we fear the Lord? Is it because we're so scared? No, it's because God is God. He is powerful. He holds the future in his hands. He has the answer and the direction just for you and just for me. Let's listen to him. On Instagram, you can look up Pastor Rod Hembry. Instagram, Pastor Rod Hembry. And we've got videos that we're gonna share with you. I started doing this last month and it's a lot of fun. And we talk about the Word of God, very important. So go to Instagram and subscribe and you'll get those videos. There's short videos, three or four minutes, and they all talk about the Bible. Now let's pray. Father, help me to surrender to you. Jesus, I need to do so today. Help me to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen.